It's good to be together. It's good to hear uh, God's words uh, to get together um, as well. Uh, so, so last week we had a, a short break, didn't we, for two or three weeks over um, uh, Mother's Day, Mission Sunday over, over Easter as well, from the series that we've been working through through the book of Luke before uh, John very uh, helpfully for us brought us back uh, into, that, uh, into that series last week. Uh, and the three things we're thinking about when we're thinking about our journey through the book uh, of Luke is Jesus' identity, so who Jesus was, Jesus', Jesus ministry, what he, came, what, he, uh, what he did, and his mission, why he came and what he set out to achieve whilst, uh, in, uh, whilst here on earth. Uh, and we've been working through this series for a couple of years now with various breaks uh, for a couple of times, so it's good to, uh, good to continue uh, in that. And last week we were in Luke chapter 11, we looked at uh, those uh, verses from 29 through to uh, 32, which uh, were entitled The Sign of Jonah, and John un- unpacked that uh, for us. That's available online if you weren't able to be here last week. Uh, and actually when John finished his message last week, and I did tell this John afterwards, I wanted to get up and start preaching straight away because the end of John's message led seamlessly uh, into what we're going to be look at, looking at this morning. He said this, shouldn't we be signs to our contemporaries? Shouldn't we be shining like stars in a dark night, a sign to people that it's possible to live a life of holiness and purity and righteousness, not because we're better than anyone else, but because God has saved us and given us his spirit. Am I a sign to this generation? Am I a sign to my family members, to my work colleagues, to the people in my street? Am I a clear sign? Or is it all rather fuzzy? Let's ask for God's help to be clear, unambiguous signs to everyone around us of the saving power of God and the Lord Jesus and all that he has done for us. And how beautifully that leads in to what we're going to be looking at today. What do we think about light this morning? And uh, that got me thinking where we would be without light. I read recently, maybe you saw it in the, uh, in the news as well, about a lady who spent 500 days living in a cave Uh, She did have some artificial light. She was able to, uh, three things she said she did was draw, knit, and read. Uh, When she emerged, she she said she'd uh, she'd counted about 20 or 30 days, then started losing count, and thought she'd been underground for 160 or 170 days, and was pretty surprised when she was brought up from that cave to find out she'd been there for 500 days. No natural light for a year and a half. Incredible, isn't it? So one of the things that light does, because of the way that God has beautifully and perfectly created our world, is it enables us uh, to distinguish between day and night. I wonder how many of you uh, and, uh, have been watching Race Around the World. Uh, um, it was recommended, recommended to us, not by my Canadian friends, but having just returned from Canada... Uh, there's, the scenery is absolutely stunning. The premise is five couples uh, put, uh, put in a, a fairly uh, isolated place and they've got to uh, find their way without phones, just with a map to somewhere, el- uh, to somewhere else that is thousands at times of kilometres uh, away. But as, you, uh, as they're journeying up the west coast of Canada through the islands, they're through, they've been uh, through, the, uh, through the rocky, some of the lakes, the scenery is absolutely stunning. 
certainly on our bucket list now. Maybe you haven't had the privilege, I haven't yet, uh, of going to Camden. Maybe it's somewhere closer to home that you can enjoy the stunning views of the Lake District. Maybe it's that sun setting over the, over the sea or rising again the following morning. Maybe it's that more minute de detail of a flower coming into bud and seeing the tiny little detail in it. Without light, we couldn't see the joy on our children's faces as they achieve something for the first time. We can see the pages of the books that we are enjoying reading. Whatever it is for you uh, that, is a real, uh, that, that really helps you when you're able to see, we couldn't do that without light. Let's not forget where light came from in the first, in, in the first place. Uh, the very second verse of the Bible uh, tells us the earth was formless, empty, and dark. Then what happens? Verse 3, God spoke and light was formed. Let there be light. God spoke, there it was, light formed. First day of creation, let there be light. And our passage today is all about light. I want to say at the start, this has been a challenging message for me to write, uh, and it's, I don't think it's going to be an easy message to deliver either, because I've been on a journey as I've been, uh, as, as I've been unpacking the, these passage, this passage uh, of thinking, actually, there's areas in my life that aren't as full of light as they should be. There's areas in my life where I don't reflect the glorious light of the Lord Jesus as well as I should. It's been a challenge for me this week. Uh, and what I say this morning, I don't say lightly, but I also know that we need each other's help in doing these things. Can I encourage you, as I was praying upstairs with the, with the prayer team before uh, the service, we were praying that people would come forward and receive prayer after the service. If there's things that impacted you from the service this morning, please, I encourage you, don't leave this building without going to the prayer team. The screens will come up, and over in that corner, the prayer team would be delighted to pray for you. Let's turn uh, then in our Bibles to Luke chapter 11. It will come up on the screen as well. Thanks, Sam. And we're looking at verses 33 through to 36. I do encourage you, if you've got a Bible to, uh, or, a, or a phone, just to keep that uh, there in front of you. These are the words that we can be sure are inspired and from God this morning. Luke chapter 11, just four verses we're going to read together, 33 through to 36. It says this. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it, then, that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark... It will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that your Bible is inspired. We thank you that the words in it are directly from you. And I pray that as we uh, open it and share it together this morning, as we explore what it's got to say about particular areas of our lives, that you would shine your light into the darkest places of our lives. We want to be transformed by you, by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. We pray that we would open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears to hear from you and be willing to be changed 
thank you that we can pray these things in the wonderful name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Very often in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the four Gospels, when something occurs, uh, if something uh, is said more than once, perhaps it's because there because uh, Jesus really, really does want us to hear it and really wants us to take on board uh, the message. And we can be fairly sure that this analogy uh, of light, uh, of light on, a, on a, some sort of stand is used at least three different times by Jesus throughout. The Gospels, just after the Sermon on the Mount recorded in, uh, in Matthew Five, there's one such uh, example. There's two similar accounts that are in Mark 4 and Luke 8. They occur just after the parable of the sower. Fairly, we're fairly confident that they are, uh, they are the same instance. Uh, and, uh, and Matt last year preached on, uh, on that passage from Luke 8. Uh, and the, these passages, the real emphasis are, uh, in those passages is about, as Matthew uh, puts it, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then this is uh, a subsequent uh, example of where Jesus uses a similar analogy of a light being placed on a stand. And it's really personal. See to it then, verse 35 tells us, that the light within you is not darkness. So what messages can we hear uh, this morning? Sam, are we able to have the, uh, the slide up? Thank you. Uh, so the first, uh, first thing I want us to think about uh, is we should be putting our light on a stand. Yeah, next one. Thanks, Sam. Don't worry, it's not. Right. Don't hide your light. As Christians, we are all called, every single one of us, to share the wonderful good news of Jesus. The Great Commission tells us, doesn't it? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's not just, oh, a few of you can go and do that. We are all called to go and make disciples. Uh, as we thought about mission earlier, some are specifically called to go uh, to, uh, to places, to different parts of the world, to go and make disciples. Some are specifically called as evangelists with a specific gifting or anointing uh, to share the good news. We're not all evangelists. We're not all missionaries called to go to different parts of the world. But we are all called to share the good news of Jesus uh, around us, uh, with those around us. And, and, and our faith is a very personal thing, isn't it? But that doesn't mean that it's a private thing that we should be keeping to ourselves. Personal, but not private. Most of you know that I'm married. The relationship I have with my wife is clearly very personal. It's between myself and Lizzie. But that doesn't mean that no one else knows about it. I look around this morning. Many people here this morning were there uh, at our wedding. My ring is a visible sign that I am married. When introducing ourselves to new people, we might say, oh, this is Lizzie, my wife, or this is Steve, my husband. It's a, it's, uh, it's a, it's a very personal relationship, but that doesn't mean that we don't tell other people about it. Such is true of our relationship with Lord Jesus, uh, with the Lord Jesus. It's a very personal, very intimate relationship, but of course we should be sharing it with others. As Jesus is the light of the world, so we are called to be the light of the world too. Slightly controversial quote coming up. Uh, as, soon, as soon as we, uh, you hear who it's from, you'll probably know it's St. Francis of Assisi apparently said, preach the gospel every day, when necessary, use words. 
When I was at university, this was thrown around all the time. Yeah, preach the gospel every day, when necessary, use words. I've done a little bit of reading into St. Francis of Assisi around in the 13th century. No evidence that he said that. Uh, first attributed to, uh, to him quite some time later. And actually, if you read a little bit more, St. Francis of Assisi was quite the preacher and did not mince his words when sharing the gospel. But what's the point that this is trying to make? The point is this. Does the way that you live reflect the light of Jesus? Would the way that people look at you, would the way that people look at you serve, would the way that people look at you love others, would the way people look at you encourage others, would they think, oh, there's something different about this person? They are reflecting the light of the Lord Jesus. Are you the first person to step up and help a colleague who's struggling? When there's a neighbour in your street who needs some, uh, some support or encouragement, do they say, do you know what? Go to them, they'll help you. When a friend or family member's in a tough time, are you the first person to pick up the phone or go around and see them? Would people look at your life, life and see the light of Jesus reflected in you because of your actions? Very famous passage in Matthew that we all know. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So we're called to be salt in the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they place it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I don't want to, in any way this morning, belittle doing good things, doing good deeds. Of course we should be seeing that. Uh, of course we should be doing that. When you think about where lights are in your house, I don't think many people go out, buy a light, and go, do you know what, I'm going to put this behind the sofa, or I'm going to shove this underneath my bed where nobody can see it. When we get lights, we put them somewhere where they can be seen, either hung from the ceiling or, or up, on a, up on a stand. Because they should be shining, the point of a light is to illuminate, to shine brightly so that people can see it. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But it shouldn't stop with actions. Actions, of course, are important. Loving our neighbours is important. Loving each other in this, in this body of believers, this family that we call the Welcome Church, is important. God prepared. We're, we, are, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God has prepared for us to do. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians. The one scholar who did a little bit of study into St. Francis of Assisi's life suggested this. It's simply impossible to preach the gospel without words. The gospel is inherently verbal, and preaching the gospel is inherently verbal behavior. I'm not in any way belittling our actions and the things that we do, but in order to preach the gospel, we must also be saying something. How then can they hurt, call on the one they have not believed in? How, they, how can they believe in the one of whom they, they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them, without somebody telling them the good news? And that's not just here from the pulpit. For me, I don't know about the other elders, I haven't asked them, it's much easier to preach the good news here on a Sunday morning than tomorrow, in the st tomorrow morning in my staff room. Yeah. Much easier. 
I'm not suggesting it's easy, but how many times in our lives do we see opportunities and let them pass us by? Even in the past week, standing at the side of a football pitch yesterday for a couple of hours watching my son play football, was, did I look for opportunities to share something of the Lord Jesus with those dads that I was standing alongside? Certainly I didn't take any if I did, if there were. But the Bible tells us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone, everyone who asks for the reason for the hope you have. Do it with gentleness and, and respect. But it tells us to be prepared. We shouldn't be caught out. Suddenly, ah, what do I say in this moment? I don't know. The Bible tells us to be prepared. We should be ready to give a reason for the hope we have. Maybe it's fear stopping you. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's embarrassment. Maybe we feel like Moses. Oh, I don't know what words to say. I'm not a great orator. I won't know what words to say. I'll mess it up. It'd be better, better for me not to say anything at all than, than to say something and get it wrong. We spoke about the prayer team helping us afterwards. That's where I'll be going for the prayer team afterwards. Help me, God, to make the most of those opportunities that you give me to share your hope with those around us. In order to do that, we need to have those meaningful friendships, don't we? Relationships with non-Christians. When I moved to Whitney, I, uh, first for the first four years in Whitney, I worked for a Venture Plus, who were a Christian charity. Then I worked at the King's School, a Christian school. Five years in Whitney. I didn't really have any close contacts with, those, with people who weren't Christians. It's now a privilege to work in a state school where I see non-Christians every single day. Some, some of us, pastors, for example, those who work in Christian uh, organizations, Christian charities, have to be incredibly deliberate about making uh, time and friendships with those who aren't Christians. Growing up, one of the uh, Christian bands that I used to, used to listen to, uh, and still enjoy some of their songs nowadays, were Casting Crowns. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the words of their songs still challenges me. Here I go again, talking about the rain, mulling over things that won't live past today. As I dance around the truth, this was written for a specific example, time is not his, this was a friend, his friend. This might be my last chance to tell him that you love him. But here I go again. What will, I, what will we talk about when we go to work tomorrow morning? Will we talk about the rain? Probably. We'll probably talk about the weather. We'll probably talk about the different things that we've done over the weekend. Will we talk about church? Maybe some of us will. I hope and pray that you do. Let's not, friends, dance around the truth. In order to shine brightly, we need to, next point please, Sam, ensure that no part of us is dark. Verse 35, uh, sorry, 34 says this. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. This is a, a personal challenge, not seen certainly in the same way in the other passages that we're being told to look within and see to it that the light within us is not darkness. Luke tells us we have healthy eyes. I don't know a lot about 
the health of your eyes. I don't know a lot about your experience uh, with opticians or having uh, your eyes tested, but healthy eyes let in light. If your eyes are healthy, your body receives the light that it needs. Your pupils are able to, uh, uh, to dilate, aren't they, to, uh, to allow the perfect amount of light into, your, uh, into our bodies. As I was uh, preparing this morning, uh, I, I came across a sermon that Spurgeon uh, had written back in the 1800s, 1889 he'd written it. Uh, some of Spurgeon's work's incredible. The, the timeless truths uh, that he was writing about there, just the way that it still applies to our lives today, 100 and nearly 50 years later, 130 years certainly later, quite incredible. He says this, See to it then, dear friends, as before the living God, that you have a clear eye and the light of Christ comes streaming into your soul in all its glorious purity and power. Live near to Jesus and his compassion will destroy your evil passion. Try it. It's annoying, isn't it, when, uh, when the, when the uh, batteries start to run out on something. Maybe it's the TV remote, and we all do it. We grab the TV remote, we press the buttons harder, and we point it a little bit further at the TV, because wh- why, would I, why would I go and find where the batteries are when I can press the button even harder, and eventually, come on, it will do it. Rarely does. We all do it. Harder we press, it makes up for the loss of power in the batteries, apparently. Uh, uh, ve- very, very annoying. Uh, Uh, children's toys. Those of you with young children will know, at times, trying to get the battery out of a children's toy, I think it'd be easier to break out of Fort Knox than try and find out where the battery is hidden uh, and get it uh, out. There are, I can say it because my children aren't here, there are a few sounds more annoying than that repetitive drone of a children's toy. That's the biggest amen I've had so far this morning. Uh, uh, The one sound that is more annoying than the drone of a children's toy the drone of a children's toy where the batteries are running out. It loses the melody and it just whines. Oh, it's children whining and their toys whining at the same time. It's not, not what you want. The battery, the power, is running out. Maybe you've got a torch, maybe it just lives in your loft because all I ever do is I take it camping when I go camping once a year or once a decade or however many times uh, that might be. And you, and you get your torch out and uh, you've had a power cut, maybe you need to grab the torch or you need to shine it into some cupboard under the stairs or, or into a dark place, usually for us, looking for where that annoying toy is making that noise and I can't find it. Uh, so you get your torch out, but, but the torch has lost power and there's just no point really in turning it on at all. But we must remain plugged in to our source of power. We don't want batteries that are just going to drain their power and lose their life. We want to be plugged in to the well which never runs dry, the living water, the source of power that has been given to us, that came at Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and with us. How often do we so arrogantly think, oh, I can do better on my own? Forgive us, Lord, for the times we think that. Friends, let's keep tapped in to that eternal power source, the source that never runs dry. John 15 tells us, doesn't doesn't it, that we should remain in him, remain in me, Jesus says. On our own, we can bear no fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to keep him plugged into that power source 
at all times. We also need to keep meeting with others, don't we? Maybe I'm preaching to the converted here uh, this morning. Hebrews tells us, do, do not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's a story that, uh, that preachers up and down the country use all the time, but I think it's helpful. The, the story goes uh, that a, that a uh, preacher went to visit one of his congregants who hadn't uh, been attending church for some time. He's sitting there in front uh, of a fire. The fire's roaring nicely. With the tongues, he takes one ember, uh, sorry, one coal out of the fire and just places it down on the hearth. What happens to that single coal? Burns out, goes cold, not burning brightly anymore, is it? put that coal back into the fire, a light. We need the support of our brothers and sisters around us to encourage us, to challenge us, to speak words into our lives, to, uh, to perhaps shine light into dark places. Iron sharpens iron, doesn't it? Let's remain plugged into the source, but let's not give up the habit of meeting together either. I do hope uh, many of you are enjoying the studies that we're doing in our home groups. If you're not part of a, uh, of a home group and would like to be, speak to Jeremy. He'd be delighted to try and uh, sort that out with you. That is one of our places where we can meet together in a smaller group or we can pray together, support each other, and study God's Word. At the moment, we're going through a series in Philippians, which uh, it, we're just finding so helpful in our, in our home group. We might be a couple of weeks behind uh, others, and I might be able to, uh, to, um, to highlight that uh, this morning, because uh, we looked last time uh, at the fact um, uh, that um, it talks, uh, talks in Philippians 2 about what it means to do everything without grumbling and complaining. I recently spoke to someone who, uh, who was telling, sharing me about their workplace, uh, and at their place of work there's been uh, decisions made by, uh, by managers, by senior leaders, that are making their life really difficult. It's difficult in that situation, isn't it? We've all been there, where uh, people have made decisions that we don't agree with. But um, American pastor Bill, he Bill Hybels talks about being a culture creator. Can we create a culture in our workplace of encouragement? Can we create a culture in our workplace of serving? A culture in our workplace of looking out for each other, rather than, oh, oh yeah, they've made that decision again, let's grumble, let's complain, let's moan. That's easy to do, isn't it? What's hard to do in that place? The hard thing to do is to stand up and say, uh, and, to speak, and to speak up. I'm not saying you're going to agree with all the decisions that your leaders will make. You probably won't agree with all the decisions the leaders make here at Welcome. But if we can avoid that negativity, if we can avoid that doing everything without arguing and grumbling and complaining, why do we do that? So that we can shine like stars. I wonder the last time you were able to look out on a clear night without the, uh, without the light pollution all around you and look up and see the stars. Back in, back in February, I had the real privilege of taking uh, my uh, school class away on a, on a residential trip for a week. We went to, into Exmoor. As we wandered out the back of the, uh, the centre, we saw... Um, uh, I need to get the planets right. Mars, Venus, Jupiter lined up beautifully in the night sky. It was a stunning, stunning sight. And then, as the, as, the, um, as the natural light of the sun started to fade, suddenly the stars came into view. And, and when you're in a place that it's dark and there's no, no natural light and no artificial light either, and all you're looking up at, you can see hundreds and hundreds of stars. <laughs> and then we look back to Genesis 1. 
what does it tell us on the fourth day of creation? Five words. He also made the stars. Just in some sort of throwaway comment. Oh, yeah, he's made the sun and the moon. What else? Oh, yeah, may as well make the stars as well, hadn't I? He also made the stars. Such is God's power. Five words, just throwaway comment. And we can look up on those, on those dark nights and see the beauty of stars, but also be challenged. That is how I should be shining. I should be shining like the stars. Shining to my, to my friends, the people that I spend time with socially. Shining to my work colleagues that I'll be uh, in, a, in meetings with or, or, in, or in staff rooms with or working alongside over uh, the next week. Shining to our family. Maybe, maybe your partner's not a believer. Shining to them. Shining to our children. To the way that we interact as a family. Does that shine the love, uh, the love and light of the Lord Jesus into our children's lives? Verse 35 tells us, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. There's times in our lives, all of us, when we think we're letting light in, but actually it's darkness. Maybe that light appears to be light, appears uh, very appealing. Maybe we regard it as bright and attractive and compelling, but actually if it's not the light of the Lord Jesus, it's darkness. Maybe it's the lure of temptation of money. Maybe it's what we're filling our eyes and minds with as we uh, stare endlessly at our phones, scro aimlessly scrolling, not really watching or looking at anything in particular. Maybe it's the TV or the films or what we're watching on YouTube that is filling our minds and filling our eyes with things that we shouldn't be, that we shouldn't be filling our eyes with. Maybe that's some of the darkness that prevents us from shining as brightly as we should. One, one commentator put it like this. Like, he, he said, I wonder what your hands are like. As a teacher, soft hands. Don't, don't, don't have any hardness uh, in these at all. Also, terrible at DIY, never, go in the, uh, nev never do anything in the garden. Uh, I've, just got, I've just got soft hands. But, but perhaps if we looked around at, at those, uh, those, those people who, uh, who work in sort of manual trades or maybe uh, um, have, have done so for some time, their, their hands become sort of battle-hardened, don't they? They toughen up over time. Friends, the same thing can happen to our hearts. Over time, they can become hard. Maybe there's something uh, in your life, and, and, I, and I do get the sense that there is, uh, for at least one person, something you want prayer about for this this morning. An area of, where you're, of your life where, where you started sinning, perhaps some time ago, and the first time you did it, it felt really painful. And you knew it wasn't the right thing to do. But you did it again. And you did it again. And each time you did it, the pain felt less. It almost, almost to a, a sense of numbness. I think there's someone, I get the sense of someone who's, who's doing something every day that they know isn't right, but they can't break that habit They've almost become numb to it. If your heart's beating a little bit faster right now and your, and your hands are clamming up, that might be you. 
I'd be, I'd be privileged to pray for you afterwards if that's the case. I believe in a God who breaks the chains of sin. I believe in a God who, uh, who, can, who can break through in circumstances that seem impossible. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, who can break these chains. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you afterwards. Finally, friends, don't shine. Don't shine brightly. Shine brightly. I'm sure many of us are so familiar with the gospel, that wonderful good news of Jesus. Why is it important that we shine? Why is it important that the light, that the light within us is the light of the Lord Jesus and not that darkness that verse 35 talks about? Because we have wonderful good news to share. Maybe you haven't heard that good news before. Maybe you need a reminder. I'm certainly not going to pass up an opportunity to share it with you. Every time we hear it, we should be impacted by the wonderful good news. As Christians, we, we, we believe that we've all fallen short of perfection. We've all done things wrong. Every single one of us. The Bible calls it sin. We're all sinful, and therefore, we all need saving, because the Bible tells us the wages of sin... The punishment for sin is death. And the only person who can save us from that eternal punishment of sin is the Lord Jesus. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He was the only person ever to live a sinless life. But he was still crucified. He died on the cross, as we remembered, on Good Friday. Why? Because in doing so, he took the punishment that we all deserve. Every single thing that we've done wrong, taken onto the Lord Jesus. He did it for me. He did it for all of you. But gloriously, Jesus didn't remain dead, did he? Three days later, uh, or, or something around 36 hours later, uh, he was gloriously resurrected, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating hell, defeating Satan. Why? So that we can have eternal life with him. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Saviour, why not make the day, today the day, when you accept that you are, in, you are sinful, you are in need of a saviour, and that we can have eternal life only through the Lord Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. And if you have, well, this is what we should be shining for, isn't it? Think of all the Lord Jesus has done for you. When we remind ourselves of what everything that Jesus did on earth, he experienced temptation, experienced pain, experienced um, uh, loss, experienced grief, experienced being tortured, and ultimately experienced being crucified. Maybe that should motivate how brightly we shine this week. Maybe that will motivate us in speaking out for Jesus this week. When we go back to work tomorrow, when, we are, uh, when we're seeing friends or family who aren't yet Christians, and we're thinking, oh, should I? There's an opportunity. Maybe I'll talk about the rain. Maybe I'll dance around the truth. Remind yourself of what the Lord Jesus has done for you. Surely that's the least 
that we can do for him. I talk to myself as much as I talk to anyone else here this morning. We started this morning thinking about the words that were shared with us last week. Shouldn't we be signs to our contemporaries? Shouldn't we be like stars shining in a dark night, a sign to people that it's possible to live a life of holiness and purity and righteousness, not because we're better than anyone else, but because God has saved us and given us his Holy Spirit? Am I a sign? Am I a light to this generation? Am I a light to my family members, to my work colleagues, to, my, to the people on my street? Am I a clear light? Or is it all rather fuzzy? Maybe there's something in your life that, that, that is, is a bit like frosted glass. We can't see through it clearly. It lets some light through, but it's not as clear as it should be. Maybe you've got tinted windows that don't let the light through at all. No matter how bright it might seem, if the light shining in you is not the light of the Lord Jesus, it's not light at all. The candle seems bright, doesn't it, until the sun comes out. The light of Christ causes all other light to pale in comparison. Friends, let's shine for him this week. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. I just want us to as they come, spend a moment in quiet. Spend a moment reflecting on what we've heard this morning. Maybe your light is lit, but you're covering it up in some way. Maybe that personal, uh, that, um, uh, that personal relationship that you've got with the Lord Jesus is a bit too private. Maybe you're not willing to share that with others. Maybe there are areas of your life that are dark. It might seem like light, but actually it's not the light of the Lord Jesus that's coming in. Maybe you need to go and receive prayer this morning. The areas of your life that are dark so that the light of the Lord Jesus can shine in and the power of the Holy Spirit can break through. Maybe you find it difficult to shine brightly. If that's you this morning, again, do get prayer for that. But I don't want this morning uh, to be a message of discouragement. I want it to be a message of challenge, yeah. But I want it to be a message of encouragement that Jesus is worth shining for. say it once more. If there's anything you need prayer for this morning, please don't walk out the door without doing so. The prayer team would be delighted to do that. But similarly, there's other people around. Just find a friend. Spend some time praying with them. I'm going to pray for us now. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts to see the supreme greatness of your wisdom and power Make our eyes good. Heal our blindness. And fill us, we pray, with the all-pervading, all-exposing, all-purifying, all-pleasing light of your presence. 